You are the man with war in his name, but you also have other words in your name. I'm going to read a couple out. You tell me how you feel about them, okay? Low. Low is one. How do you feel about low? I'd rather be high. Really nice. Really clever. Really hip. I need a volunteer to be my first sacrifice. Well, howdy there, pilgrim. It's your host, Matt Baskey, on another episode of Throwing Couch Potatoes, the show where I watch wrestling. All of it. All of the wrestling. All the time. This is covering everything that I watch between the period of February 12th to February 19th, which encompasses 102 pro wrestling matches. So let's go through each and every single one of them before my brain passes away, shall we? Uh, first, we have to rewind the clock back a little bit to the 4th of February. I finally got around to watching some of uh, Stardom's Supreme Fight, uh, and I gotta be honest with you fellas, with you folks, uh, I went to the doctor and uh, they diagnosed me with clinical uh, triangle derby fatigue. I have just watched way too much Stardom Trios matches. I thought that it was gonna be done, like on this show that I watched here and it just it just keeps going and I just can't do it anymore. It was all really good wrestling, but it was all just kind of blending together for me and uh yeah, I'm just going to be watching the more significant stardom shows from uh, this point going forward. Uh that being said, I watched about half the card from Supreme Fight and it was pretty good. Let's go through it. Uh first match I watched was Mirai versus Chihiro Sh- uh, Chihiro Hashimoto. She's from Sendai Girls, so this was kind of a cross promotional bout. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty good match. You probably saw the clip of Mirai getting absolutely fucking obliterated with a huge German suplex. Uh, Yeah, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Really like this match. Hashimoto is a fucking beast. Check it out. I gave it a 3.5. After that, for the Goddesses of Stardom Championship, the Neo Stardom Army, Nene Takahashi and Yu, took on Donna Del Mundo, Micah, and Himika. Uh, This was a pretty solid tag bout. I feel like, as with all the Neo Stardom Army matches I've seen over the past little while, the match generally picks up quite a bit whenever Yu is in the ring. She's awesome. Uh, Yeah, I gave this one a 3.25. Good stuff. Uh, then I watched the Wonder of Stardom Championship match, Saya Kamitami versus Momo Watanabe. Uh, holy shit, this was a, a hard striking match. These two women kicked the absolute shit out of each other. Uh, if you watched one match off of this card, definitely check this one out. It's well worth your time. Uh, I gave it a 4 out of 5. Delightfully surprised with this one. And your main event, Julia defends her World of Stardom Championship against 20-year-old Suzu Suzuki. Uh, yeah, this was another really solid match. I feel like um, it, it had a little more room to breathe, but Suzu, you know, is pretty inexperienced, but it still came together into a cohesive main event that I was pretty satisfied with. I gave it a 3.5, but coming off the heels of the Wonder of Stardom match, uh, yeah, this one had big shoes to fill, and it didn't quite measure up. But still, good match. Good show overall. Very, very good stuff. Check it out if you can find it on the internets. Uh, 
and scrolling down a bit, uh, I watched the main event of the most recent SOS Pro Wrestling show on Stranger Tides from February 10th, uh, just because my boy Daniel Maccabe was in an SOS championship match against Steve Miggs. Uh, Daniel Maccabe is not going to be wrestling for much longer, so I want to try and make sure I watch as much of his stuff as possible. Very excited to see him next month at the uh, NEW Minoru Suzuki show. Uh, anyways, this was a pretty solid Maccabe match. You would expect it has a lot of uh, grappling, a lot of chain wrestling. Steve Miggs had some entertaining heel antics. Pretty good. Three out of five. And then uh, I finally caught up on the GCW-JCW Jersey J-Cup, which took place in two sessions on February 11th when I was in Seattle for Defy Year 6. So we'll start with the first session, which opened with Alex Shelley versus Jordan Oliver. Uh, This one was alright. I got the sense that... um, since I knew going into this that Jordan Oliver was making it all the way to the end, uh, that this match was kind of... uh, not wasting time, but just not going full throttle. Uh, so it wasn't as good of an Alex Shelley match as, as you could come to expect. It was a 3 out of 5 for me. Still very decent. Uh, then Alec Price took on Blake Christian. Man, Alec Price is such an interesting wrestler. He looks like such a dweeb, and he sounds like one too. And he's, his character is like super annoying and, and brash and in your face. But... His move set is just incredible, and you get the sense that like he really understands like the nuts and bolts of wrestling. Yeah, I, I keep getting impressed every time I see him. Like he, they did the the ricochet Adam Cole like drop kick you out of midair spot, and it looked way better than I've ever seen that spot done before. So yeah, I'm really liking what I see from Alec Price and Blake Christian is one of the wrestlers that I've really come to enjoy doing this project. So this was a very solid match, three point two five. Definitely check it out. Uh, after that, Joey Janela took on Starboy Charlie. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't love Janela's wrestling. He can be good sometimes, but uh, put up against all of these like prodigy wrestlers that are growing up in the indie scene right now, he just can't really hang with them. But you know, he's also not as tight as some veterans as of his experience level, so he doesn't really give the match the kind of cohesion that somebody like him usually should. I don't know. I don't mind Joey Janela, but he's not one of my favorite wrestlers. This was a 2.75 match. Nothing wrong with it, but, uh, you know, after the first two, which were pretty enjoyable, this one kind of pumped the brakes a little bit. After that, Tony Deppen took on Leo Rush, and, uh, man, Leo Rush is quickly becoming one of my absolute favorites. Every time he's in a match, he just makes it fucking pop, and it just feels special and different because his offense is just so unique and he just throws himself into everything, you know? Like, every match I've seen him in, he never seems like he's taking it lightly or, you know, uh, he's just a dynamo. I I fucking love Leo Rush. He's so great. And in this match, he had a lot of time to show off, you know, what he can do. And it was really, really good. 3.5, one of the high points of this tournament. Definitely check it out. Uh, Following that, Billy Starks took on Charles Mason, and uh, I gotta say, I did not like this match. I don't like wrestlers like Charles Mason, where their whole thing, their whole shtick is, I'm gonna torture you, and it's gonna be kinda gross, and, you know, outside of that, it's a lot of punch-kick brawling, and it's just, I find it so boring, and when it's not boring, it's usually unpleasant, um... 
the only reason I didn't subtract points from this match is that Mason did have some actual good wrestling moves. Like his jumping tombstone is, is pretty good. But yeah, I, I find matches like these are just so not what I like. And if there wasn't some decent wrestling on display in here, this probably would have been the, the one of the lower uh, matches I've rated recently. And I like Billy Starks. So this one, uh, not for me. Did not like it. After that, we had Arez versus Commander. This was my first time seeing both guys. They're very highly rated. Uh, they get a lot of love on Twitter all the time. And this match seems to be one that a lot of indie companies are like, just get these two guys to come to your show and, and do one of their matches, and it'll be great. Uh, and it was pretty great. Uh, there were some really innovative Lucha spots, as you would come to expect from a high-rated Lucha high flyer. Uh, you put two of them in a match, and it's pretty special stuff. This was 3.75 from me. Arez is very unique and has some <clears throat> weird shit going on, and I know that's his whole thing. So very excited to see more of these guys. And the main event from Session 1, we got Speedball, Mike Bailey taking on Jonathan Gresham. Fuck yeah. Uh, this could be a main event on literally any show. These are two of the absolute best wrestlers in America. And, uh, yeah, this was a pretty solid match. I gave it a 4 out of 5. It's a bit of a lower 4. You could definitely tell that if both of these guys were going full tilt, this could have been incredible. And they are going to be wrestling soon again in Impact, I believe. So, you know, uh, fingers crossed for that one being uh, a little more what I expected. But this was still, you know, some of the best wrestling I've seen in the past 7 days. So 4 out of 5. If you can, go out of your way to see this match. It's pretty easy to find. It's on Fight TV. Um, speaking of which, Fight TV, holy shit. Uh, their audio quality is just atrocious. Like, it's actually embarrassing. Like, the audio was doubling up throughout most of this show. So that if somebody, you know, did a chop, it didn't sound like psh. It sounded like psh, psh. It was egregious. Just terrible. Like, why am I paying money for this? Guys, sort your shit out. It's embarrassing. Anyways, over to Session 2, which opened with Speedball Mike Bailey versus Commander. Uh, again, uh, another decent match. Uh, this one's a 3.25 from me. I feel like, you know, Speedball is going to the finals. has got to take it a little easy in some matches but this one had some suitably cool spots so you know worth your time after that charles mason took on jordan oliver this one was a little more of a wrestling match it wasn't as one-sided as the billy starks match was so it was a little more enjoyable for me i gave it a 2.75 but yeah still not a fan of charles mason as a wrestler then Leo Rush took on Joey Janela. Uh, this was better than the last Janela match, but it wasn't as good as the last Leo Rush match because it was a lot more of a 50-50 affair, and Leo didn't get as much offense in as he did in the first round. So still good, but uh, 3.25 rather than something that you know could have been great. I was really hoping for Leo Rush versus Speedball on this tournament, but it did not happen, sadly. Pardon me. Then Cole Radrick took on Blake Christian. Uh, I gave it a 2.75. I honestly... There are spots that I feel like I'm remembering from this one, but actually I think I'm, I'm remembering it from the, the semifinal round. So this one 
didn't have a lot that really grabbed my attention, but, it, you know, I didn't rate it poorly, but, yeah, I don't really remember this one. I can pretty much say the same thing for Jordan Oliver versus Joey, uh, Joey Janela. You know, Jordan Oliver's good, but he's not the type of wrestler that's going to put on a banger with Janela. Um, so this one was just okay, 2.75. And then uh, Speedball Mike Bailey took on Blake Christian in the match that I'm actually remembering spots from. Uh Blake was really hilariously trying to uh, attack Speedball before he even entered the ring. And then he beat him up on the outside for a while and then threw him back in. And the ref is like, you fucking idiot. The bell hasn't rung yet. I'm not going to count your pin. And then he just had to stand there like a dumbass for a second while Speedball got it like a minute to rest and get back up. It's pretty funny. Uh, this match was a three out of five. I like both guys, but, you know, obviously... Uh, retaining some of Mike's energy for the final match, which is Speedball Mike Bailey versus Jordan Oliver, not just for the Jersey J Cup, but also for the JCW Championship. And, uh, yeah, this was a pretty solid match. Uh, Jordan Oliver is a tall, rangy athlete. He's pretty uh, graceful, and he does a lot of cutters. Um, Yeah, I can see why people like this guy so much. Having seen a lot of indie wrestling recently, though, I don't see what really sets him apart from the pack because there's a lot of really good wrestlers like Jordan Oliver right now. Um, and I, you know, just he doesn't have the the perfect crisp te- uh, technical ability of like a Cody Chun or like he doesn't have the the pure like creative uh the pure creativity of like a a nick wayne so you know i I can see why they had him win this and he definitely is a wrestler capable of wrestling four matches in a day and having a you know a a solid outing with speedball i just yeah i don't know he's all right that's the thing is like this tournament was a lot of like some of my favorite indie wrestlers and a lot of guys who i'm just like yeah they're okay uh, so, you know, overall, the Jersey J Cup was a little bit of a disappointment. Not really, like, it it delivered, but I was expecting a few more bangers in here. And, uh, a lot of these matches that could have been great, like, honestly, I think if you just took Speedball Mike Bailey and had him have a proper singles match with Blake Christian just on a normal card, you know, I would love to rate that higher than a three, because that sounds awesome, but tournaments man you, you love them and you hate them for these reasons it, you get some amazing matches but you also get the sensation that you know perhaps if it wasn't in a tournament uh, all done in one day it would be better but still uh very solid card and i would be happy to watch this again next year and then over on monday we had aw elevation god that feels like ages ago uh, it opened with Dark Order, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds versus El Cobarde, El Dragon, and Vari Morales. Um, there's been a lot of Dark Order six-man tags recently, and, you know, I feel like they used to be better. They used to have all this kinetic energy and all this chaos, and now they just seem kind of short, and they do the meat hammer, and it's over. 2.5, not terrible, but not super engaging. <clears throat> I could say the same thing for Big Bill versus Gino. Uh, yeah, 2.25, Big Bill squash match. What do you want to do? Uh, then we had Jade Cargill and Layla Gray taking on Dulce Tormenta and Dee Dee Doom. Another very quick squash. Uh, yeah, Jade Cargill and Layla Gray. It's interesting. 
because I feel like they decided that both the other baddies could be doing different things. So now it's just Jade and the like late addition to the baddies that everyone treated like crap from the beginning. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Anyways, the match was 2.25. I, I can't say I remember too much about it. Then we had Brian Cage versus Justin Taylor. God, so much of Elevation is just a whisper in the wind to me now. Um, yeah, 2.25. Your mileage may vary with Brian Cage. He's all right. This is not the kind of match that's really going to rock my world. Uh, hey, here we go. Emi Sakura, Nyla Rose versus Sky Blue and Madison Rain. Still not crazy about Madison Rain, but this was an alright match. I like Sky Blue. I like Emi a lot. This was a 3 out of 5 for me. If you're already watching Elevation, this is the the peak of it. So, you know, uh, do with that what you will. Then we had Vert Vixen versus Yuka Sakazaki. I've seen a lot of Vert Vixen lately, both live and... Uh, on Dark and on Rampage and things like that. And uh, I gotta say, this was one of the better Vert Vixen matches, matches I've seen. She definitely wrestled uh, with the kind of Joshi style a little more competently than some of uh, Yuka's other competitors on Dark and Elevation. Uh, this was a decent one, 2.75. Then we had Josh Woods versus Man Scout, which is pretty much only notable because Man Scout started the match while reading a book about bears. Um, like literally with his nose in a book while he's trying to lock up with Josh Woods. I thought it was a pretty funny spot, and I wish Woods had gone along with it instead of just grabbing the book and throwing it away. I'd like to see more Man Scout for some more shenanigans, but this was only a 2.25. And then your main event of Elevation, the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta versus Aiden Colt and Frank Stone. Uh, yeah, just a send-the-fans-home-happy type play-all-the-hits, best-friends tag match. Nothing really notable here. It was a 2.25. Uh, yeah, not a very exciting elevation this week, and I can't say the same thing for... Uh, or I would say the same thing for uh, Dark as well, but uh, I get ahead of myself. We've still got Monday Night Rawr to go through. It opened with the Street Profits, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins versus The Judgment Day, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Thank God it's Finn Balor and not Dominic Mysterio in this tag match. It actually turned out to be pretty decent. Street Profits still continue to be one of the highlights of uh, WWE's weekly shows. Uh, yeah, this was a fairly decent match, solid opener, and it was all pretty much downhill from here. And we had Piper Niven versus Mi Chin. I feel like every week WWE gives me a women's match that on paper should kick ass, but really it's going to have like four spots that are, you know, not very notable, and it's going to be broken up by a lot of commercial breaks, and I'm really going to feel like no match actually happened. 2.5, very sad, because I like both these women. Then we have Baron, Ro Baron Corbin versus Cody Rhodes. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I feel like this was actually a bit better than the standard Baron Corbin affair. Cody Rhodes, I don't care what anyone says about him. He is the perfect wrestler for WWE, and he's one of the last few true stars in the business. He belongs there, and he's going to do very, very well. Um, he's the kind of guy who can wrestle Baron Corbin, and it's it's not terrible. So 2.75. Cody's great. Then we have a six-woman tag, Asuka, Nikki Cross, and Carmella versus Liv Morgan, Natalia, and Raquel Rodriguez, who will all be in the Women's Elimination Chamber on Saturday. 
this match was mostly good just because Asuka's great, and uh, she's in the ring with a bunch of people who she would just dog walk in a singles match. Like, I, I don't remember much about this match. I rated it a 3 out of 5, and I can only assume that's because Asuka's just fucking awesome. And then we had Mustafa Ali, sorry, Mustafa Ali. Then we had Mustafa Ali versus Bronson Reed, uh, two guys that I feel like would be fucking killers if they were anywhere else. Uh, this was only a 2.5 match. Mustafa's great, and it sucks to see him get squashed. Uh, yeah, Bronson Reed, man. Like, you beat Okada, and now you're coming out to no response. It's very, very unfortunate. Then we had The Miz versus Rick Boogs. Jesus Christ, didn't we already do this? Do we really need to be filling up time on this three-hour show with more of this? Ugh. I'm sure this is not going to be the last time I see The Miz versus Rick Boogs. Uh, I'm scared that they're going to do this on Raw tonight again. This was a 1.75. I am really... <sighs> really soured on the Miz right now like people keep talking on Twitter and stuff about oh the Miz is a generational talent he's a future hall of famer but it's like they present him like he's a fucking joke and like even a lower mid card guy like Rick Boogs just bodies him and he doesn't want to wrestle Rick Boogs because he's a terrible wrestler like make up your mind on what the Miz is and <laughs> book him accordingly because this is terrible and then your main event, Bianca Belair versus Bailey versus Becky Lynch. Um, yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Why did I not remember this match? Uh, I gave it a 2.75. Yeah, I don't know. The WWE style, my mind tends to drift because there's just so much time wasting and so much people standing around going, and there's very few matches where that feels justified. Like... These three women could have a fucking belter of a triple threat if they just went all out. Let them go all out, you know? The fans would love it. Don't pretend like they wouldn't. Like, they would pop hard for these three just having a, a banger, and I don't know, they just won't let them. Oh well, over to AEW Dark, which opened with a pretty solid tag team match. Fuego Del Sol and Leon Ruffin versus the Jericho Appreciation Society's Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. Uh, I really like Leon Ruffin. He wrestles unlike anybody else, and that's always a good thing for a pro wrestler to be unique. This guy has just a, a frantically graceful way of moving. Like, he looks like he's about to fall apart into pieces, but he just, he just fucking goes, man. Uh, yeah, I like Leon Ruffin, and I'd like to see him in, I don't know, put, put him on dynamite. Let him get squashed by someone really cool, and I, I bet it would be memorable. This was a 3.25 for me. Pretty fun match. I enjoyed it. Then we had Hyena Hera versus Mei Saruga of the Best Bros. Um, pretty okay short women's match. It was a 2.5. Nothing super special here. Varsity athletes Josh Woods and Tony Nese took on Allen and Cameron Russell. Hey, it's the actual Varsity Athletes tag team. I've been seeing Tony Nese tagging with Ari Davari a lot recently for some reason. Uh, very confused as to what's going on with that weird nebulous stable. Anyways... This was a tag match. It was a 2.5. I don't know what to tell you other than that. Kip Sabian took on Gravity after that. Um, sounds a lot more impressive than it was, 
After that, we had another 2.25 going to Zach Clayton versus Dan Adams, otherwise known as Dan the Dad. Yeah, Dan the Dad is funny on paper, but whenever I actually see one of his matches, I'm just like, okay, I get it. Do a move. Whatever. 2.25. After that, we had Jeeves K and Sonny Kiss versus Brock Anderson and Brian Pillman Jr. Always nice to see Sonny Kiss. Not nice to see Brian Pillman Jr., Thankfully, he's in a tag team with Brock Anderson, who is pretty good, so he can kind of uh, hide his inefficiencies, which was also what uh, the Varsity Blondes were good for, but Griff Garrison is out injured. It's pretty funny that Brian Pillman Jr. has this pedigree, and he ends up being the Marty of every tag team he's in. Anyways, Pentico took on Christopher Daniels after that. Um, sounds pretty fun. I, I vaguely recall this match. Uh, but uh, 2.5 is what I have here. After that, Ari Davari took on Jay Spade. Um, this one was not good uh, lately. Ari Davari has been doing this, ah, join the Trustbusters thing, and it's like, man, are you even in the Trustbusters? <laughs> Very confused as to what's going on with the whole Ari Davari storyline. This was a 2 out of 5. Skip this one if you're watching Dark. Uh, then Diamante took on Ultraviolet. I uh, love seeing Diamante. She's great. This match was all right. 2.5. And then the Dalton... Uh, and then Dalton Castle and the boys took on Larry Lazard. Larry Lazard? L- Larry Lazard, Terry Yaki, and Jay Lucas. What a... Ta- what, 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 what a trio. What a, what a, ta- what a tandem. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dalton Castle and the boys have a great entrance, and uh, they're pretty charismatic. I can't tell you much more about this than that. 2.75. And your main event, Konosuke Takeshita taking on Bronson of the Iron Savages. Is that what they're called now? I preferred Bear Country, but whatever. Uh, Takeshita is amazing, uh, of course, but this was uh, not the type of match that really shows why he is great. This was just an okay uh, dark main event, 2.75. Yeah, this one was also kind of a letdown. Uh, overall, AEW, just just barely short of the mark on everything they put out. And uh, we'll kind of go through that as we get more through the week. Uh, over in NXT, they opened their show this week with Grayson Waller versus Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate is one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen live and against... Uh, a lump like Grayson Waller, he's just okay. This match had a very confusing spot where Grayson Waller, like, got out of the ring for no reason just so he could do a fancy leap-through-the-ropes thing. That's the kind of shit that takes me out of the immersion of wrestling. Like, come on, man, why did you do that? That doesn't make any sense. I digress. I don't want to pick on that match too long because it wasn't that bad. It was a 3 out of 5. Then Thea Hale took on Tiffany Stratton. Uh, All I can say is this match was uh, thankfully pretty brief, 2.25. Axiom took on Damon Kemp. Uh, This was another not super long match, and Damon Kemp showed off some pretty impressive power. Uh, This was a 2.75 for me. It was all right. Then for the NXT North American Championship, Wes Lee took on Von Wagner. Ugh. Yeah, not a whole lot to write home about, because Von Wagner's offense is the pits. It's a 2.5. Uh, 
Uh, then Charlie Dempsey took on Hank Walker, which, um, you know, sounds pretty good. Charlie Dempsey is a really good technical wrestler, and Hank Walker is all right. Uh, but this one, from my memory, is just way too short. Um, so maybe they might do this again. And it's nice that Hank Walker has actual wrestling uh, gear now and doesn't just wrestle in street clothes. Uh, 2.25. And then your main event, Roxanne Perez and Mako Satamora versus Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Holy shit. Satamora is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and it's bonkers that she's still hanging around in NXT. Um, this was a really solid match. Nobody in the ring here is, like, is is bad. Like, this is some of the best talent NXT has. So, uh, yeah, cool cool tag match, guys. Not a bad episode of NXT. It was bookended very nicely, and this was a 3.25. And then, oh boy, it's time for some wrestling the way it oughtn't to be. We're over in NWA Power for yet another edition of Billy Corgan's Sweaty Circus. We open with the NWA World Television Championship, Jordan Clearwater versus Tom Latimer. Uh, Tom Latimer had a much more impressive bout just hitting a guy with a stick at uh, NWA Nuff Said. Uh, yeah, this match was ugh, 2.25. Then Angelina Love took on La Rosa Negra, who is, um, I'd I think, far and away one of the best wrestlers NWA has. Hey, what a surprise. Once again, the best part of your show is your women's division, Billy. God, you're a dumbass. This match was a 2.5. It was... Graciously better than a lot of what was on this card. And then the Mortons, Carrie and Ricky Morton, took on La Rebellion, Bestia 666, and Wolf. Mecha Wolf. Um, I am very over seeing Ricky Morton wrestle. It's just. Yeah, I get it. He can he can do a Canadian destroyer. I've seen him do it like 80 times now. It's just. I'm over it. And, uh,. Carrie Morton isn't exactly lighting the world on fire either. This was just an okay match, 2.25. And then, for your main event... It's World's Heavyweight Champion, Tyrus. Um, versus Rolando Freeman. This match was not even advertised at the beginning of the, of the show. They were saying it was some other match, and then they were just like, nah, fuck it, we're giving, this gonna be a World's Heavyweight Championship match against the biggest guy on the roster, Tyrus, versus the smallest guy, Rolando Freeman. Uh, I hated this match. I think it really solidified how bad Tyrus is. Like, we're not, we don't body shame here. It's not because of his size. It's because of his immobility. He is 49 years old. His body is just wrecked to shit. He was never a good wrestler then. He's certainly not going to change that now. It just It's embarrassing watching him wrestle. Because, like, I mean, if you're in his situation, you should be, like, throwing your back out with your emotions, you know? You should be, like, doing everything you can to be using your charisma to get across your character in, in a wrestling match if you can't physically go. 
And Tyrus doesn't even do that. He barely fucking changes his facial expression a lot of the time, not just in this match, but especially in this match. He's just fucking standing there as his opponent bumps around him. It's embarrassing, it's sad, it's it's pretty fucking shameful that they're basically having Tyrus as the heavyweight champion to leech off of his Fox News fame. This is just the the bottom of the barrel carny shit that you've come to expect from Billy Corgan's NWA. Tyrus is the worst world champion currently wrestling and honestly a candidate for one of the worst world champions of all time. It's just <sighs> incredible how bad his wrestling is. This match was a 1.75. It would be lower if Rolando Freeman wasn't carrying this match with his own innate charisma. I feel bad for the guy. Uh, He's ten times the wrestler than Tyrus could ever hope to be. Uh, This was the worst match I saw all week. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. Shame on you, Billy Corgan. Put the belt on Matt Cardona. I don't even like Matt Cardona, and that would still be a much more acceptable choice than what you're doing with your NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Just in the mud. In the mud right now. I'm dreading power this week, but also not, because I, I get to be mean to it on, on this show. Anyways, over to AEW for the stinkiest dynamite in quite a while. I miss uh, Wednesday night Danielson. Getting all those Brian Danielson singles matches was so great. And uh, sadly, that period is over. I know a lot of people were just like hitting the panic button on this episode of Dynamite, just being like, oh, it's over, AEW's gonna get cancelled, it's so bad, um, whatever, they're allowed to have an off episode every once in a while, it's fine, this one was mostly doing a lot of storyline shit that needed to happen in order to set up Revolution, so, whatever, it's fine, opening with, oh, god, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt, Versus the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens, Orange Cassidy and Daddy Ass. Um, yeah, I'm getting so tired of Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. And uh, yeah, I, I want to see the acclaimed get out of this Guns feud, get out of this Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal feud, and wrestle a tag team that's actually interesting. Uh, yeah. Getting getting pretty tired of this whole this whole spiel. Two out of five. Very weak start to Dynamite this week. Thankfully, it got a little better after that. Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio Castagnoli, and John Moxley took on La Faction and Gobernable Rouge and Preston Vance in a Texas Tornado Tag Match. Um, I had fairly high hopes for this one. You know, it's Claudio and John Moxley in in a big in a big old fancy brawl. Um, and that's the thing is like there was a bunch of brawling, there were some, you know, memorable spots with like a chain and stuff, but uh, you know, this this was just okay at the end of the day. Um, you know, Roosh can do better, Claudio and Moxley can do better. It's just the circumstances of this match. It's not gonna, you know, blow your mind or anything. But three out of five, anyways. It was unfortunately the highlight of Dynamite this week. It's all downhill from here. We had uh, Josh Woods versus Mark Briscoe, which was a fairly entertaining bout. Um, you know, Mark Briscoe is uh, very charismatic, and he can go as a wrestler. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just 
not that it didn't have enough time, but it just didn't really get anywhere spectacular. Um, still better than Jungle Boy versus Brian Cage, which I gave a 2.5. Uh, yeah, this match was mostly to uh, set up Christian is back, and he's finally going to fight Jungle Boy. Yay. I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, Kip Sabian took on Hangman Adam Page. It's Hangman, so it's not going to be terrible, but uh, compared to a lot of his most recent work, this was a pretty forgettable Hangman match. I gave it a 2.75. And then your main event, the triple threat, Tony Storm versus Ruby Soho versus Dr. Britt Baker, DND. Uh, I was really into this match for the start of it. It had some pretty good action, but then the, the finish just got eh, kind of... This match got a little slippery, and it kind of got out of their hands a little bit, and then the whole the whole fart cloud thing was odd choice, odd choice, and especially if you're going to do that and then not show Britt Baker's face with, like, a, a paint imprint or at least even try to show it. Um, yeah, kind of weird. Left me feeling unfulfilled. 2.75. Yeah, not a good dynamite, but uh, that's fine. That's fine. Have you seen Raw lately? It's a miracle if it has one good match. Like, it's okay if Dynamite is a little lackluster every once in a while. It's fine. Calm down. But over to Impact Wrestling, which uh, was a little better, I guess. Uh, The YouTube-free pre-show match was Deanna Perrazzo versus Steph DeLander, which uh, honestly was pretty forgettable, 2.5. I feel like they've been giving away better matches on YouTube lately, Um, usually because it's like, oh, Speedball's not on the card, Yuya Mura's not on the card, throw him on the pre-show. But this one was uh, just a regular women's squash. Uh, Wow, just full of singles matches here. Uh, It opened with Chris Bay versus Kushida. Hot damn. Uh, I'm really loving what I'm seeing from Chris Bay in his, his, like, Impact Bullet Club team with with Alex Zane. And Kushida is just a a fucking generational talent. One of those guys that, uh, you know, you're not going to have him immediately on your mind when you talk about some of the best ever. But, like, man he's in the conversation he's crazy good this is with a 3.75 from me i'd say yeah go out of your way to check this one out really good stuff steve macklin took on rhino uh that is the like epitome of eh for me i uh, can't tell you much about that 2.25 then a very perplexing match johnny swinger taking on legendary jobber from 70s and 80s wwe barry horowitz this match had the Kiss Demon in it. The Kiss Demon came out. The Kiss Demon in in Impact Wrestling. Like, what? Okay, I'm gonna move on now. Eddie Edwards versus Heath. Um, yeah, another just kind of uh, TV match made me feel like I was watching like a WWE match from like 2008. I don't know. 2.25. Pretty forgettable. Alicia took on Masha Slamovich after that. Another 2.25. This is just kind of Masha spinning her wheels until she can uh, get her big match at No Surrender. And the main event, Kenny King took on Rich Swan. Uh, this was, uh, thankfully, a much better bout than a lot of the rest of the card. I was starting to feel 
uh, a little worn out from Impact, but this one brought it back up. Kenny King is fucking awesome. He's got such incredibly good strikes. He's a very precise wrestler. And uh, Rich Swan, he's hit and miss, but he was a little more hit in this match. Uh, I gave it a 3.5, a very worthy main event. I would say check out the opener and main event from this show if you care about Impact at all. Um, then over to WWE for their C shows, or I guess maybe D shows. Uh, main event opened with holy shit NXT champion Braun Breaker versus Akira Tozawa. Um, I actually kind of had high hopes for this immediately when I saw it was happening, but uh, it ended up just being kind of nothing. Two point two five. It's weird. The main event, uh, WWE main event, just seems to be. An Akira Tozawa squash match and a Dana Brooke squash match, and that they are getting squashed by the other people. Because uh, the next match, Dana Brooke versus Wendy Chu, was uh, even more nothing than the previous one. It was a 2.5. Wendy Chu's gimmick is funny, and it got over with the uh, the Performance Center crowd, but it just does not translate to a large stadium crowd, and I don't think she is going to get far with it. It's unfortunate because she seems very nice and very charismatic, but uh, yeah, it's just not connecting with the fans. Then over to NXT Level Up. Oh man, why does this show exist? I feel like I say that every week. Dante Chen took on Eddie Thorpe, aka Carl Fredericks. Carl, man. Woof. What have they done to you? Um, Yeah, can't tell you much about this match. I feel like there was some decent striking in this one, so I gave it a 2.5. Uh, and then midway through the show, Oba Femi took on Zion Quinn. Oh man, that's a dumb name. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty forgettable. I really wish this match hadn't happened, just because it was a true waste of my time. Two out of five. And then uh, Valentino Ferois took on Ivy Nile. Ivy Nile is actually a pretty solid wrestler, um, decent grappler. I can see why she's in Diamond Mine. 2.5 from me, uh, pretty consistent with NXT level ups, level of quality. Then over to AEW for Rampage Slam Dunk. Get it? Because basketball, because basketball this weekend, basketball is happening and we are having corporate synergy for the basketball Opening with The Elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson versus A.R. Fox and Top Flight in a basketball match. Basketballs were legal to use as weapons, apparently, because they did not get DQ'd for it. Um, Yeah, this was a pretty fun one. I I think that both teams are very creative, very dynamic. They work well together. Um, And Kenny Omega's gone on record saying that, you know, The Elite doing these trios championship matches is really just about them having fun right now and i'm all into that that was a fun match i want to see some more fun trios stuff uh with the elite and then it looks like we're gonna get them versus uh house of black at revolution which should bang my face off uh over then to daniel garcia versus ricky starks um i gotta say this one was a little bit of a letdown i feel like both guys could have put on something really special and instead it was just a regular tv match 2.75 then jade cargill took on hey vert vixen she's really getting around on these episodes for the tbs championship uh this one was a pretty quick squash vert got bodied by jade what can you expect she's amazing 2.25 uh yeah this was barely a match but it was all right 
And then the main event, Swerve Strickland of Dorito Affiliates taking on Dustin Rhodes. Um, Swerve is incredible, and uh, this match was all right, but Dustin Rhodes just isn't the kind of uh, opponent that he's going to be able to show his best work with. Um, I feel like this was, you know, a very solid TV storyline type match, but uh, yeah, happy to see its end. Hopefully Swerve moves on to more exciting things. This was a 3 out of 5. Not a great Rampage this week either. AEW uh, just just going a little bit on cruise mode for uh, for this week. Hopefully, honestly, seeing the card for Dynamite this week as well doesn't uh, bode much better. But, uh, you know, Revolution is on the way and hopes are high for that. Uh, and I'm not one of the doomers who's going to, you know, throw the alarm bells on every time a mediocre episode occurs. <clears throat> Speaking of mediocre episodes, let's go over to WWE SmackDown, which opens with Shotzi and Natalia versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Um, Rousey and Baszler are being presented pretty well, and I feel like that's probably the best thing to be doing with Rousey, is stick her with a real wrestler. Uh, this was a 2.5. It was alright. And then we had Sheamus versus... <clears throat> Then we had Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, the Bang Bros, versus the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar. Uh, what do you want from me? This was a, a hard-hitting tag team match, and punches were thrown, and there were slams, and uh, smash white supremacy. That's all I gotta say. 2.75. Oscar versus Liv Morgan happens. Um, yeah, just another case of Oscar being worlds ahead of her opponents. This was a 2.25. Not a whole lot going on here. And then, for the WWE Intercontinental Championship, Gunther takes on Mad Cat Moss. Uh, I got a bit of a sore throat, so my, my Ice King is not very good this week, so I'm gonna cut it there. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, this match is a bubber, and I'm kinda glad it happened on TV instead of on, uh... Elimination Chamber, Mad Cat Moss sucks ass. He just cannot hang with Gunther, and this was a waste of a Gunther match. Yeah, shaking my head at this. Bad main events, 2.5. Mad Cat Moss just fucking sucks. Like, the, he broke Big E's neck. He's not even good. He's not charismatic. The fans don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. He's just the epitome of what WWE values in a wrestler these days, and it, I just... I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. You know what I do like? Prestige Wrestling with their uh, Reality Unfolds card, which happened on the 17th. I kind of delayed this episode a little bit just so I could squeeze it in there because it took them a couple days to get it up on IWTV. Uh, it opened with Ethan HD versus uh, the Golden Boy, Travis Williams. I feel like Travis Williams is probably the wrestler I've seen live the most um, it's been really cool watching him begin to mature into a, you know, a really solid wrestler. Um, yeah, this was a, a, a good match. Had some good striking. Travis showed off some impressive power. Uh, yeah, three out of five. Not bad stuff at all. Love seeing my boy Trav. 
Uh, and then we had a women's triple threat, Amira versus Brooke Havoc versus Sandra Moon. Uh, pretty solid stuff. It was a bit of a messy brawl to start off with, but then once they got back into the ring and started trading some big moves, this match picked up a little bit, and this was a 2.75 from me. Following that, Adam Brooks took on KZ in a very entertaining clash of styles. I really liked how like Adam Brooks really came off as a consummate professional. Like I've never seen him wrestle before, but just the way that he was... A, able to adapt KZ's style and just make it look effortless because not only is he a very unique wrestler but he also wrestles mostly in Japan and I you know I've watched a lot of wrestlers in Japan come over to the United States in these last two months and seen how some American wrestlers just don't get the pace that they work at and they just they don't click with that style Adam Brooks doesn't have that problem he's he's world traveled and this match really started to to pick up and, and, and get a good pace going, and it ended up being really, really fun. So this was a 3.25. Love seeing KZ in America. I hope he gets some more cool singles matches before he heads back to Japan. Then we had Alan Angels versus Jaden. I gave this one a 2.5. I liked some of the moves in this match, and I like Jaden, but this was mostly Alan Angels pulling some heel shenanigans and wasting time and, uh, yeah, just generally being a dick. 2.5. Following that, aw, shit, State of Emergency, Sebastian Wolf and Miles DeVille, one of my favorite tag teams in the game today, versus C4, Cody Chun and Guillermo Rosas. Ever since I started seeing State of Emergency, which I think the first time I saw them live, they had only wrestled together maybe half a dozen times. Um, ever since I saw them, I knew that eventually they were going to fight C4, and it was going to be good stuff. And not only was it good, but it definitely set the expectation that these two teams are going to meet probably a bunch. And I'm really excited to see how they uh, build off of this match. This was a 3.5, really, really solid tag team wrestling. Cody Chun is, like, one of the most graceful wrestlers I've ever seen. Like, he just makes everything look easy. And uh, Guillermo Rosas, man, there was one lady in the crowd who wanted to fuck him so bad. It was <laughs> bleedingly obvious. This was a really cool match. Go out of your way to see it. State of Emergency are awesome, and they're just going to keep getting better. 3.5 out of 5. Then also from Vancouver, Liza Hall taking on Masha Slamovich. Love seeing Liza getting big singles matches. Uh, she had a big one against Serena Deeb last year, and taking on Masha is a big deal. Uh, this was a very entertaining technical bout that uh, ended up moving to a pretty breathless pace. I love how Masha can wrestle a lot of different styles. She can brawl, she can chain wrestle, she can do death matches, she can do comedy. She's a very versatile wrestler, and this was a pretty fun match, 3.25. One of the better uh, outings from Liza I've seen in a while. And uh, for the not only the Prestige Championship, but also the Pro Wrestling Revolver Remix Championship, Alex Shelley versus Sonico. Uh, as this match begun, Alex Shelley began to explain that he, the Pro Wrestling Revolver Remix Championship allows him to choose the stipulation for this match. And then as he was explaining what stipulation he wanted to have, Alan Angels came out and was a dick again. And I don't think he ever finished explaining what type of match this was supposed to be. Maybe I missed it. But, um, yeah, uh, that was kind of weird. And uh, this match... 
was so close to being really good, but again, Alan Angels just kept sticking his nose in it, and it had a bit of a fucked finish. Um, yeah, it was all right, but I feel like if they had been planning to have this be a title change, they could have just wrestled a really good match without having to have these shortcuts added. So 2.75 could have been better. And then your main event, a no ropes, no canvas barbed wire death match, AKA the anti Matt Baskey match. Uh, Drexel versus Akira, the death samurai. I've been pretty open before about not liking deathmatch wrestling. I find that when it's not gross, it's boring. Uh, so I'm a little biased against this one. This match was okay, though. I gave it a 2.5 primarily because the, uh, the pile driver through the ring with like no, no boards or canvas just directly into the empty space in the middle of the ring was pretty fucking cool. And I've never seen anything like that. Um, but the gusset plates, the staple guns, the, the literal knives, is just, uh, it's not what I watch pro wrestling for. Uh, but if that's your thing, hey, more power to you. 2.5 from me, but uh, yeah, if you're into deathmatch stuff, maybe this was awesome. I don't know. It's it's not my thing. In the shadow of the valley I would like to settle down Wide open safe But then, over in San Jose, we got New Japan Pro Wrestling Battle in the Valley. Uh, this was a pretty uh, highly anticipated show, I gotta say, and I jumped into it missing the opening eight-man tag. Maybe it was bonkers. There were some pretty cool guys in there. But uh, I was watching it live and uh, came in kind of at the beginning of Fred Rosser versus Kenta for the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. Um, I feel like this match was really Fred Rosser's opportunity to be like, hey, look, I've been here. I've been queer. And also he's been like not just being like a supportive force in New Japan Strong and being like a coach in their in their dojo, but he's improved to the point where he's not just a WWE mid Carter guy anymore. Um, I feel like he had a lot of opportunities to show what makes him special, to show what he can do with a good opponent, and you know when you consider where he came from, a match with Kenta that was this good is a pretty big achievement for Fred Rosser. So, like, fucking pat on the back, man. He really took a weird situation and and made a, a notable career out of it, and I think it's worth praise. Uh, 3.25 for this match. Good stuff. Uh, then for the New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Openweight Tag Team Championship, we had the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin versus the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jorel Nelson and Royce Isaacs. Uh, hey, maybe that's why the Alex Shelley match the day before for Prestige wasn't the best, is because he was uh, holding on for this one. Oh, wait, this match was not as good as that one. Never mind. It was a 3 out of 5. It was a fine tag match. I just feel like out of all of these like highly rated indie tag teams, West Coast Wrecking Crew is maybe the one that excites me the least. They're good, but they're not like C4 good. Uh <clears throat> 
I would like to see that match. Please, Motor City Machine Guns versus C4. It's probably already happened, but I want to see it. Anyways, this was a 3 out of 5. Pretty good, but uh, not the most memorable uh, Machine Guns match. Following that, we had Eddie Kingston versus Jay White in a Loser Leaves IHOP match. Sorry, Loser Leaves New Japan match. Pretty obvious how this one was going to go. We all know that Jay White is going to turn up in WWE, yada, yada, yada. I do not like Jay White. It's been well documented on this show, but Eddie Kingston is my favorite wrestler. So this <clears throat> ended up averaging out to being pretty good. I know a lot of people are saying this is like a modern classic, and I, I do agree. There's a lot of like really good storytelling on display here. Um, I do like Jay White's like character work in this match. You know, kind of wrestling like he knows he's gonna lose and knows that like you know the walls are closing in and and his time in New Japan is over and there's not really anything he can do to stop it. So he's just kind of laughing in the face of death, and I, I kind of liked that. Um, this was a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, I recommend it. It's probably the best Jay White match I've seen. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what you get out of Eddie Kingston, some really memorable wrestling. After that, in a filthy rules match, with which had no ropes, apparently, because that's filthier, uh, Homicide versus Tom Lawler. <clears throat> this was... An okay, goofy, hardcore match. Um, 2.75 is what I would give it. Tom Lawler is endlessly entertaining, uh, but in a card with so much good wrestling, this one kind of fell by the wayside. After that, for the New Japan Pro Wrestling World Television Championship, Zack Sabre Jr. took on Clark Connors. Um, Yeah, pretty standard ZSJ match here. A lot of technical wrestling counters. Uh, Clark Connors was able to hang pretty well with Zack, and uh, yeah, as with the 15-minute time limit matches that they have for the TV championship, very fast-paced and enjoyable, uh, 3.25. And then your real main event, uh, which honestly should have gone on last, Kyrie defends her IWGP Women's Championship against Mercedes Money, aka Sasha Banks, in her New Japan Pro Wrestling debut uh, really cool Hanakamura-inspired gear from Mercedes. Obviously, these two have wrestled before, but this was a little different because Kyrie is able to wrestle her kind of stardom style. So this was a little more hard-hitting than you would probably expect these two to wrestle in WWE. Really, really good stuff, I think. He couldn't... The only match this week that had more eyes on it was the main event of Elimination Chamber. So... Obviously, the pressure was on, and they delivered. This was a really solid match, and I think Mercedes Monet, as long as she can wrestle a lot, is going to uh, make a big splash in Japan. But so far, you know, from her debut, waiting like two months almost to see her wrestle, I, I hope they have plans for her immediately after this. I want to see more Mercedes. I don't want to have to wait super long again. But yeah, <clears throat> really good match. Should have gone on last because it was better than your main event. Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, possibly for the last time for the World Heavyweight IWGP Championship. Um, I don't know if that's true, but it, it, it could be. And uh, this was a pretty solid match. Obviously, Tanahashi isn't at his peak anymore, and this isn't going to be as good as some of their old battles. If this was a match to sort of say to new fans, hey... 
maybe you should check out some of our older stuff. Like, if that's what they were trying to do here, then it definitely served that purpose. Um, I just, again, I wouldn't have put this on last. Uh, Mercedes is a much bigger deal than seeing a match that they've done multiple times over. And it's obvious that Tanahashi is not winning this one. Pretty good. Not, uh, not incredible or anything, but solid stuff nonetheless. 3.25. And then over to Le Montreal for Elimination Chambre. We open with the women's chamber match. Asuka, who is obviously going to win, versus Natalia, Nikki Cross, Raquel Gonzalez, Liv Morgan, and Carmella. I know some people said this one was better than the men's match. I, I disagree. I feel like this had a lot less going on. I did like Carmella just trying to avoid wrestling in the chamber as much as possible. That was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, I don't know. didn't really do it for me. This was a 2.75. Following that, we had Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar, another match that a lot of people really liked. I thought it was dumb. You hear that? It was stupid. It was dumb. It was like two 10-year-olds playing SmackDown Here Comes the Pain, but with like five finishers enabled right from the beginning. And they just hit each other's finishers and kicked out three times each. And then a fucking DQ. Like, if if you just want to do this match at WrestleMania, just do it at Mania. This was a waste of time. This match could have been an email. Um, not a fan. 2.25. Maybe this does it for you, but Lashley Spear wasn't good enough to get a pop out of me. It became immediately obvious where this match was going, and once that became clear, I was like, okay, whatever. <sighs> then in a mixed tag bout, the Judgment Day, Finn Balor, and Mommy, a.k.a. Rhea Ripley, versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. Ugh, I struggle to recall anything that happened here edge is a mediocre wrestler at the best of times and beth phoenix i've never seen her wrestle in her prime and so i certainly don't get what all the fuss is about this was a 2.25 i would say definitely skip this one and then the men's elimination chamber match for the wwe united states championship austin theory versus montez ford versus bronson reed versus damian priest versus johnny gargano versus seth rollins um i'll hand it to them for this one stuff happened in it uh there were spots i liked that there were spots um it is a little annoying for me that they're like, "Oh, look at look at Montez Ford doing a jump off of the off of the off of the chamber." Oh, we've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, you have. Just a couple years ago, Lince Dorado did an even better one. The hyperbole sometimes. I feel like you're treating me like an idiot. Like, don't pretend like that was the greatest thing that's ever happened in an elimination chamber. You do this every year. And you put out YouTube videos all the time remembering people about all the crazy spots, like the one Lindsay Dorado did. Anyways, I digress. This match was pretty solid. It kept a pretty brisk pace, and it's nice seeing Johnny Gargano being kind of over again. Uh, I did not like Montez Ford having a fake injury angle just to bring in fucking Logan Paul. Very gross. Do not like seeing Logan Paul. Do not like seeing them shit on one of their best wrestlers, Montez, and getting him taken out of the chamber for a bullshit reason. Lame. Lame stuff. Just have someone win. Just have someone go over and fucking keep Logan Paul out of it. Anyways, your main event of wrestling pretty much this month, because um, there's not going to be anything else with this build. 
Roman Reigns defending his WWE Undisputed Universal Championship against Sami Zayn, the greatest babyface WWE has had since WrestleMania 30, Brian Danielson. I mean, yeah, I think that's it. Um, I'm just going to get to the obvious out of the way. Should Sami Zayn have won this match? Maybe. It would certainly would have been cool of them. It would have been different. It would have been unexpected. And it would have made a lot of people very, very happy. Um, I think it's fine that he didn't. You know, it's like, that's the boring option. But it makes sense on paper. Like, it's not like he had to win this match. And one of the best things about Sami Zayn is that, you know, he doesn't have to win every match. That being said, you know, this happens sort of organically. And, you know, they couldn't have planned it better if they tried. And I don't know if there was just, if there was ever a time to do something that WWE would not be likely to do, this would be it. Um, But I'm not mad about it. Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes is a fine WrestleMania main event. It's just maybe if they had, you know, done a tainted finish and set up, a rematch? I don't know. You, you, if you want Sammy to win, you'd want it to be in Montreal. See, that's the thing, is they really painted themselves into a corner with this match, and I'm not unhappy with the way it went. It's fine. But, like, you guys could have had one of the most memorable moments in your history, and it was better to play it safe. And that's what you tried to do for WrestleMania 30, and... Thankfully, there was a vocal, angry portion of the fan base that pushed back against it until they were literally forced to do the right thing for the fans and for professional wrestling. And those fans have all left. They're not there anymore because they watch AEW. And and WWE's fans are just kind of complacent. And when you serve them a plate of shit, they're just kind of... They just kind of eat it and just go, okay, that's that's what's happening. Because people are talking a lot about how the ending had no heat and everyone was just disappointed and sad. And it's like, yeah, honestly, people have hated Roman long enough. People have had plenty of chances to boo Roman. Like, this was their opportunity to lose their shit and jump up and down and go crazy. And have people in their homes jumping out of their seats and, like, I don't know, hugging each other and crying. Because that's what fucking Sami Zayn meant to a lot of people in this storyline. If it were me, I would have done it that way. I wouldn't have passed up that opportunity to, to really make something beautiful with somebody who deserves it so well. Maybe I am a little mad about this. Anyways, I should talk about the actual match. It was really good. Um, It's... Very telling that it takes a year's worth of build to justify WWE's slow glacial pace. But uh, yeah, this was finally a WWE match that I've, you know, I I went without watching any of their wrestling for years. And then I got back into it for this project, for this show. This is the first WWE match that I watched since getting back into their product that felt huge. That felt important. That felt like this has to happen and did they deliver? Yeah, they did. It wasn't, you know, incredible. It wasn't something that I'm going to remember as one of the best matches I've ever seen. 
But for a WWE match in the current climate of what their product is, this is pretty impressive stuff. They don't do this very often. They're not capable of doing this very often. And it takes a world-class wrestler like Sami Zayn to really create something special in this company. These are the moments where it gets special. These are the moments that are worth watching. And as somebody who came in for the tail end of this storyline, I'm I'm very pleased to see where they went with it. And it ended up delivering on all counts because Sammy is just incredible and Roman has finally become the main event wrestler that they tried to force him to be for so long. Um, yeah, this is this is kind of like the the kind of match that you get from the fallout of just what NXT used to be you know um Roman very much represents the type of wrestler that they're trying to create now and Sami Zayn is the type of wrestler that made NXT what it actually was and the way you look at it you can kind of see two opposing philosophies on how to do this, how to do this sport, how to do this art form, kind of coming to a head in a very poetic way. And I I think above all else, the message we should be taking away from this is that wrestlers like Sami Zayn are important and you need them in your product. If you want to create moments like this, you can't just create a factory for pro wrestlers and expect to stamp out a Roman Reigns whenever you want. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes working with the best. It takes working with people who know better, who've been fucking everywhere and have done everything and have seen dozens and dozens and dozens of different ways to do it. And if you put yourself in this narrow box of ideas where it's like, this is, this is what wrestling is and you stop bringing in this variety from all over the world, you won't have matches like this anymore. You won't have, you know, main event stories and, and characters that people will really attach themselves to. You think anyone's ever going to lose their minds over Damon Kemp? No. Like, the few wrestlers they have in NXT that can come even close to what Sami Zayn is able to create, you know... The ones that they do have, they're that way because they wrestled elsewhere. I just, I feel like this match, people should be studying it and and paying close attention to the re- to the lessons that were learned and the lessons that were not learned. Um, yeah, uh, I, I feel like if there's probably one WWE match to tune in and watch this year. Uh, other than, you know, possibly something at WrestleMania, this is it. This is this is the best they can come up with right now, and it's about the 13th best match I've seen this year from the biggest wrestling company in the world. You know, Impact Wrestling is kicking the shit out of WWE in terms of match quality, and, you know, this this took them a year. So it's a four. It's a four out of five. It's a high four. It's just shy of four and a quarter, but man, oh man, like, I want to say that this is an all-time match. I want to be able to tell you that it's it's one of the greatest, and it should have been. <sighs> 
This hobby is frustrating. Even the parts that I love about it sometimes also come with uh, with an asterisk, with uh, with strings attached, and uh, it's endlessly fascinating. I'll give it that. So that was the uh, hundred plus wrestling matches that I watched this week. I gotta say, I'm I'm still exhausted from uh, from my trip to Seattle, and it was kind of hard to pay attention to a lot of this wrestling. However, I will say matches like Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn do remind me why I'm obsessed with this shit and why I can't give it up um, and why I spend so much time talking about it. Anyways, uh, this was a bit longer than my episodes have been recently, but I feel like there was uh, a lot to say about that last match, so I hope... If you bared with me here, I, I appreciate that greatly. Uh, hey, if you are checking out the show, and especially if you are somebody who doesn't know me in person, uh, please drop me a line on Twitter, either at Throtator Show or uh, at Matt Baskey. Just let me know how you found it. And, um, you know, I'm always looking for ways to improve the experience. And I'm very curious, especially if you're my one listener from Belgium or uh, that person who listened from the uh, French town with less than 400 people. I'm very curious how you found me, how you found me. So uh, drop me a line if you can. Uh, I am Matt Baskey. I will be back next week, assuming that uh, my brains don't leak out my nose from chronic triangle fatigue. And uh, the only thing I can do about it, I guess, is smoke weed and watch wrestling.